I'm Lindsay Maloney, and this is the Book Your Dream Clients podcast. I built a six-figure coaching business while raising my three babies and working a nine-to-five, and I'm here to help you break free from the hustle mentality that's been holding you back from reaching your full potential so you can know your worth, step into your own power, and of course, book your dream clients. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining. Today I am going to do an Ask Lindsay episode. I've been saving some questions and some co- they're all very common and I thought this would be a great platform to answer all of them. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. I haven't done an Ask the Lindsay episode in a while, and if you have any questions that you would like answered on the podcast, just feel free to DM me on Instagram and let me know, or come over to the Facebook group, dreamclientcommunity.com, and ask me, because I would love to answer them on the podcast, and I have some really good ones for you today, and I think I would like to continue doing them every once in a while, so feel free to reach out and say, hey, you should put this on the show, because I think I will. So the first question we're going to answer is, how do you launch a program when you're afraid no one will join? Such a popular feeling and such a normal feeling, right? It's so scary to launch a program and not only fear that no one will join, but what if only one person joins, right? Everyone will say like, okay, we have the... The fear of no one joining is almost less than just one person joining, and I completely get it. 100% understand. But that all has to come back into how do you believe in yourself, and how much confidence do you have in yourself, and do you believe in your program, and do you believe in its effectiveness? And yes, not one single launch is going to be the same at all. They are always different. But what you have to get over is the fear that no one will join. Because we know that if we fear no one will join, that's what's going to happen. If we're constantly talking about no one's going to join this, why am I doing this? This is going to be horrible. It's going to be embarrassing. Blah, 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 blah. We're doing all that, that negative talk. That's like printing out how your launch is going to go. So we can absolutely fear that no one will join, but then we have to acknowledge that and then turn it into something else. How can you take that fear and make it into something positive? So what I like to do is when I launch and I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, what is, what, how is this going to turn out? I have to flip it into something like, I am so grateful for the students who are going to work with me. I am so grateful for the students who chose to work with me. I am so grateful for the results that my new students are going to have. Turn it into something else. I think fear takes the wheel too much and we have to take control because fear is never really going to take us anywhere where we want to go, right? So ask yourself why you're letting the fear have control anyway? Are you using it as a way to just stay and play small? Are you using it as a way to just sit back behind your computer and never show up and do bigger, more uncomfortable things? Or are you using it 
as something that was going to keep you hidden from everyone so you won't have to, in quote, fail. I think I'd rather see you launch to no one than launch the never launching. I think I'd, I know I'd rather see that. I'd rather see you go through the process and then come out of it with no students, but feeling amazing because you just did something that totally scared the pants off of you and like made you so uncomfortable. I'd rather see you do that because once you get uncomfortable, you hit another level. Like you're, you've just been climbing these stairs this forever, right? And you reach the top and that, that's like when your muscles and your legs are like, oh my gosh, this, we have to go up more stairs. Like I'm feeling uncomfortable here, but then you turn and you're going up another level. That's what entrepreneurship is. You climb a flight of stairs, you reach the landing, your body tells you I'm tired, this is not feeling right, and you keep going. And the only way to go is up. If you choose to stop on stair five or the landing, where where else are you going to go? I'd rather see you go up and just keep going than letting fear keep you down and never rising to see what's behind the next corner. Okay, question number two. How do you handle deferred payments and refund requests? I love this question, and we had talked about it at a workshop about a month ago about refunds and who offers refunds, who doesn't, and it was so interesting that the people who offer refunds on their programs have a huge thing about disappointing people, and I found that so interesting. That was a huge commonality. They don't want to upset anyone. They always want to be everyone's friend. They want to be like, oh, well, whatever. You can just do whatever you want. That was something that came up. And then when we started talking about how me and some other girls, we don't offer refunds on our programs. They were like, how do you do that? And we said, well, first of all, you have to make it really clear. No refunds at all. Why do I not offer refunds? Because you get over $10,000 worth of programs and material immediately upon purchase. So how do I know that you're not going to go in and download everything and be like, hey, Lindsay, I need a refund. (laughs) I don't know that. And I'm not taking that risk against, it's not fair to my students. I'm not saying it's not fair to me. I'm saying it's not fair to my students who make payments every single month and who make things happen so they can be inside my programs. i no, that's not, I'm not taking that risk. But was interesting having conversations with the girls who wanted to be everyone's friend and who wanted to just like, were just major people pleasers to a point where it was unhealthy. They started to second guess their process. They started to second guess after a couple days, gosh, maybe I shouldn't offer refunds because they get everything right away. Like they know they know they get so much value and they were almost feeling like they were being used by having that huge, that refund policy and their refunds rates were really high because there, there are just people out there who will pull stuff like that. And that's kind of sad, but there are. So just putting it out there, there's no refunds 
when you join my program. I'm very clear about that because of the reason that I just told you. It's not fair to my students. And if I go to the subject of deferred payments, that is something that you have to have. First of all, you have to have a payment processor that helps you with this and somebody on your team that's going to help you. So there's a lot of situations where deferred payments happen. One, sometimes people's cards that just expire and they just need to update them. Um, two, people, you know, just like used a card that might not have enough money on it for some reason and they need to update it. Not a big deal. So by having a payment processor that will kind of do that work for you, like Moon Clerk or SamCart, that is a lifesaver. So for example, if I get a notification in my inbox that an unsuccessful payment occurred, then I don't really worry about it. I know that my payment processor will make a couple attempts. But if I do notice that this has happened a couple of times, then I have somebody on my finance team reach out to them on my behalf and let them know, hey, you need to update your card because two attempts have been made. Usually I'll do uh, our, our processes. If if two unsuccessful payments have gone, have not gone through, then we will reach out with further action. So you have to set up a process for that because it's, it, you know, it's a very small percentage that that has happened, but you still have to have a process. So we have a process um, that we go through. We look and see how many times has this been unsuccessful? Who's going to reach out to them? How are we going to reach out to them? Usually every situation is pretty unique, but at least having something to go off of just a workflow. So when you do have somebody come on to your team to help you with it, then you kind of know like where to point them. Just go to the deferred payment workflow and then they can see, okay, there's been two unsuccessful payments. I'm going to email them this email and this link so they can update their stuff. And just kind of goes off of that. And like I said, you have to be very flexible. These are all very, very personal situations. Um, but if you have something in place, it's not going to feel stressful for you or anyone on your team. And like I said, this is a very small occurrence. But I also feel like if you always obsessed about this and worried about it, then I kind of feel like you're just going to manifest it. So I don't really worry about it. And I don't feel like it's a problem for my program or my clients whatsoever. But workflow, it's got to be in place. And just having all the steps written down somewhere so you know where to go when such and such happens. All right. The third question was, how long do you work on your business every day? So I work on my business a couple hours in the morning and throughout for the rest of the day, because as you know, right now I still have a nine to five, but I do work from home. So I usually work on everything before I have to fully commit to my nine to five. Uh, so I do wake up very early in the morning so I can put my full attention on my business and myself, and then I can go and pour more out of my cup for my nine to five. So it's just maybe a couple hours of day, but I've, I've set my business up to do that because I created my business during nap times. Nap times are just a few hours a day and that's the business that I wanted. So that's all it kind of needs. I work ahead a lot on many things. So I kind of, I don't live my business day to day. It's usually a month ahead at a time because I have three kids, a full-time job. 
I got a lot of things to make happen. So a couple hours a day is usually good for me, but I also work on my business for a few hours on Saturday mornings and sometimes on Sunday mornings as well, because that's kind of my golden, happy, quiet time. So I recommend you find the times that you would really love to work on your business, whether it's in the morning, I know there's some night owls out there, and then just set your hours and stick to them. Try to have some limits to how often you're working on your business every day, because I know some days are different than others, but setting boundaries and like setting hours like you're a brick and mortar when it's three o'clock, you're out of the office, is going to really help you function more highly because you're going to have a limit. So if you know that you're going to be done at three, you're going to get a lot more done in the next half hour. But if you have this open-ended day, like you can work on your business until you're tired. (laughs) That's not how you want to run your business. If that's what your boss told you, yeah, just come to work and leave when you're like totally tapped out. (laughs) That wouldn't be great direction or motivation to get anything done. So operate your business in that way and it will be a complete game changer. Next question is about email lists. And they ask, how often should I email my list? I email my list a lot. I like to always be on top of their mind as much as possible, but we always email every single Monday when we have a new podcast episode. And that's kind of my way to be like, hey, I'm here. I'm providing new stuff for you. Here's what it is. If I have anything new happening in the business, my list is the first to know about it. And I don't feel like you have to do anything. I always answer this question by saying, only email your list if you have something of value to share. And my value to share with my list is my podcast episode every single week. I'm not going to email my list because I had it on my schedule. I'm going to email them when I have something to say, right? So you would never just like, message people and say, I'm going to take up your time, but I have nothing of value. I'm not going to ask you any questions. I'm not going to give you anything that's helpful for you. I'm just going to take up some of your time. You would never do that. So think about your email as as the same. Like it's just one person, your dream client. Do you have something to say to her? Do you have something that will help her or him? Do you have something that's going to make them think, oh, wow, I'm so glad she told me this. Then do it. It doesn't matter if like, oh, I already emailed them yesterday. It doesn't just email them. I think consistency is great, but I also think if we just intuitively ask ourselves, if you feel really called to do something, like sometimes I'll be, you know, doing dishes and I'll come up with something and I think I really need to share this with my list. I'll just go and send it. I'm not going to feel like, oh, I need to wait until this fits on my content calendar. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to, my intuition's telling me to do something. I'm just going to go do it. And that's how I want you to run your business. You don't have to say a certain thing at a certain time because that's what's on your calendar. If you want to say something, then just say it. All right, next question is, how do you find inspiration for content ideas? I love this question, and it's something I feel like we talk a lot about inside Sanal Coaching Academy, especially during their first call. How do I find inspiration? Like, I don't know what to say in my blog post or whatever, my freebies. What do I do? How do I word it? How do I make sure people want it? And my three favorite ways to do this is through Pinterest, answerthepublic.com, and Amazon book reviews. And I have a full training inside Soka on how to do that. I'm not going to do that here, but those are my top three ways to find inspiration. 
All right, two more questions we will do. This one is, how long did it take you to book your first client? Oh boy, so when I started my business nine plus years ago, I was a health coach and I was doing a lot of things just basically online, no clue what I was doing at all. Um, But then I decided to go in and get a certificate in nutrition and weight management. So then after that, actually, I think during when I was taking the course, I, I booked a client. So it wasn't very long after I kind of tapped into what I wanted to do and how I wanted to help people. I was actually taking clients that came to my house and we created these plans for them and we did like personal training and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, it didn't take me long to get like my first in-person client. But then when my business shifted four years later into business coaching, I remember making my first big investment with my coach. It was a $7,500 investment. And let's see, it was four months later, I booked my first client and that was four years ago. So that wasn't like my first high paying client that I ever had. And I feel like that happened just because I made that really huge, scary, scary, scary leap. And I just totally believed in myself and I went for it and my husband went for it. And then I booked my first client. I remember it's a couple days before Christmas, I think. And it was like the most amazing feeling ever. And the last question is how much time or energy and thought should I invest into my Facebook group? Such a great question because we all kind of want a Facebook group. And then once everyone's there, you're like, oh my gosh, what should I do? It's like inviting a bunch of people over to your house and then you realize you have to feed them and like make sure everything is hospitable and uh, you just created a bunch of work for yourself. You could look at it that way or you could look at it as this is just a way for me to get to know people. And I like that approach better. So what I do is I, uh, I work about two weeks ahead. I schedule random, and if you want to know random, come over to my Facebook group because you'll see random, random questions because that really have nothing to do with their business or anything like that. 90% have nothing to do with it. I will ask my group questions. So for example, I'll ask them, what's their favorite show on Netflix? What are they binge watching right now? What's your favorite book that you're reading? Do you like coffee or tea? Like questions like that. Those spike huge engagement because I'm getting to know the people who are in there. We've seen the Facebook groups who are constantly blasting, like, download this, download this, come watch this, do this, do this, do this. Like people are always telling us what to do. And I decided to be different. I decided to create a community that stood out. So I started to ask questions and I scheduled them a couple weeks ahead of time because you know, I don't want to be like, oh no, I got to ask a question today. I don't want to have a business that runs that way. So working ahead is key. You don't need to have any fancy graphics. Just ask a question. And I just schedule it inside the Facebook group. I don't use anything fancy. And then I also have like two really cool, unique features in our group. One is it's for collaboration. So we have this huge spreadsheet full of entrepreneurs who want to collaborate with each other. So they give their information, how they want to collab, what they're looking for. And then I know that entrepreneurs on this sheet are reaching out to each other and doing amazing things with each other which is like, just like makes my heart happy because I have nothing to do. I don't even know. I know that this works because I've heard it from a lot of girls on there, but I know that this is something that I don't have to have any 
I don't have to have any part of it. I just like set up the framework and then they took, they took it and ran with it. So we have that. It's the book your dream clients. Um, we, the collaboration sheet, we have that. And then the other special thing that I have in my Facebook group is, um, Saturday reviews where every one Saturday a month, you can submit your content and I will audit it live for you in the group. So if you want a website audit, a landing page audit, sales page audit, whatever it is, you can submit it and you'll get some live coaching on your content. I don't know any other Facebook group that does that. So that's kind of how I want my Facebook group to be perceived as this is different. This is actually giving us value and I like it here, right? It's not one of those Facebook groups where you join and you're like, turn off notifications. It's going to be annoying. But for some reason, I chose to be here. So this is a Facebook group where you're going to actually want your notifications on and is actually going to be useful for your business. So think about your Facebook group. How can you make it really easy for you? How can you take 10 minutes a, a week, plan some posts, and then create one or two special features that are going to draw people and gonna go, it's going to make people want to be a part of this. Think about how, think about the things that you don't like about other Facebook groups and how you could be different. That's how you have a group that doesn't take your energy and your time and your everything from you, right? You don't have to spend hours inside it. If you create an atmosphere that's easy, it's going to come back to you that way. So those were great, amazing questions, and I want to do this more. So if you have any questions that you want to add to the next episode, please feel free to DM me. Let me know, like, you should put this on an episode because I will absolutely do that, and I will be so happy to answer them for you. I hope you found lots of clarity and inspiration, and if you want to be so kind, I would be so grateful if you would go to the podcast and leave a review and subscribe because that helps me so very much. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Book Your Dream Clients podcast. I am so grateful for you and I want to be sure you are a part of my free community. Go to dreamclientcommunity.com and join our free Facebook group. We have all kinds of cool things happening every single day, so don't miss out. Also, if you love downloading freebies, check out my freebie vault on my website by going to lindsaymaloney.com, selecting freebie vault, and there you can download all the things that will help you start and scale your coaching business. And if you're feeling extra generous, be sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the next episode.